Emergency rooms aren't all that fun, but I took a field trip to one pretty recently. Uh, it was late at night, I was hungry, and I wanted a double cheeseburger. I honestly, like, I want one right now, too. But like, I wanted a double cheeseburger, and I didn't want to go get fast food, because it's, I mean, I think I can do a better job, and also, I was already in my pajamas. So, um, I'm wanting this bacon cheeseburger, double bacon cheeseburger, there's a problem. I don't have any meat ready. Um, I've got some frozen hamburger patties, but I didn't really wait for them to thaw. Uh, so I take them, and I have a metal spatula, and I'm trying to figure out how do I separate these with the spatula. And so, like, I take it, and it's just, it's not cutting. But do you know what cuts? Knives. Knives cut really well. So I take a chef's knife I've got nearby, I take it in between the frozen hamburger patties, and whoosh, And then my white kitchen got really, really red, really fast, and so I bandaged my hand up because this was very clearly an emergency room situation. Bandaged it up with some paper towels, hold it to my chest, drive over to CRH. They asked me on a scale of 1 to 10, how much pain are you in? And I looked at them like, I don't know. Uh, I just got stabbed. And they go, okay, we'll put you down as a 5. And it's like, this isn't a 5, but whatever. And I go, and I have a great visit. Um, they did a great job. Professional was awesome. And they got me back home to my own bed later that night. And my hand still hurt. Okay. The next day, I wake up, and it, it still hurts, right? Uh, actually, they, they bandaged the wound. They did everything they were supposed to do. And yet, for a while, I couldn't, like, button buttons. Like, I only wore loose-fitting clothes that I could put on without doing any buttons because I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't go kayaking for a while. I couldn't play volleyball for a really long time. Uh, I can now do this again. I'm very proud of it, abnormally so, because for a while, I couldn't. But even still, like, my hand in between my thumb and my pointing finger, like, it's permanently different from that wound, from the knife. Um, we all have wounds, right? Maybe they're not always as stupidly self-inflicted as mine was, but we do all have wounds. Um, today we're talking about that. How do we heal from the wounds that we accumulate over time? I want to be clear, we're not talking about physical wounds and physical healing right now. Uh, we're talking about emotional and spiritual wounds. And when I say that, I know that some of you are thinking like, wounds, and you're thinking like trauma, right? That's a buzzword right now. And trauma is the kind of thing that happens that permanently alters how you respond to people and situations. And some of us have that in our stories. I got a little bit of that in mine. Abuse, PTSD, divorce, some nasty stuff's in there. But maybe that's not you. Great. Good for you. We all have wounds, right? They can be little. But we're broken people. We live in a world with other messed up people. And so we're going to hurt people, and we're going to be hurt by people. How do we deal with it? Well, where are your wounds coming from? Is it like a wound that stems from something that was said in passing to you, but that little sentence just kind of repeats in your brain way more than it should? Does it come from an injustice that you suffered? Maybe it comes from loneliness or unhealthy choices you've made or unhealthy choices other people have made when they were looking for connection. Maybe it comes from a broken relationship or a divorce or growing up in a broken home. I mean, Honestly, guys, there's so many of us in here and online, and we've got wounds from all sorts of different places. But we all have them, and we need to deal with them. We need to deal with the physical wound, because if you don't treat it, it can get infected and rot and nasty stuff can set in, and it gets worse. Our hearts are the same way. If stuff gets settled into our heart and we don't deal with it, it gets worse over time. Um, it can become bitterness. That's actually a phrase that kind of comes to my mind. When I think about wounds that haven't healed, they often lead towards bitterness. And God has something to say about that. And in Hebrews 12, 15, we're told this. 
Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous, I love this phrase, poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Because that's what happens when we've got hurts that we don't deal with. Man, our hearts can become bitter, and then that can affect our other relationships as well. Uh, Growing up, we're going to accumulate wounds. And then as we age, either we will deal with them or we won't. And how we deal with them can often affect how we grow as well as we age. And I'm trying to figure out the nicest way to say this without just making jokes, but I'm just going to make the jokes anyway and then maybe regret it. But like, I think as people age, they can go in two very different directions. And when you have someone who has not dealt with wounds, you get the dagnabbit, get off my lawn individual that we can kind of picture. Like somebody that grows and becomes angry and bitter where what I'm saying as a joke there might be the nicest thing they say. Or you can have people who have gone through similarly, potentially brutal circumstances that become some of the nicest and kindest and most generous and welcoming people out there. And I think sometimes how we grow as we age depends on whether or not we deal with the hurts and the wounds that we accumulate over time. And none of us wants to accumulate more pain than is necessary. Like We don't want that. And we don't want to share that pain towards others. But if we don't deal with it, I think that bitterness can spring up. And that can infect a lot of our relationships. So how do we avoid this? How do we heal from those wounds? I'm a spreadsheet guy. I love formulas. If I can make life a formula, I would. I can't, but we can do that for this one. Here's a formula that's going to help us move towards healing. We start with grace. And so we have grace, and that's God's unmerited favor, plus truth. That's God's established reality, plus time. That's time equals healing. And by healing, again, we're not talking about physical healing, and I also don't want to make you false promises. Here's what I don't mean by healing. I don't mean the absence of pain, okay? I also don't mean the restoration of what was lost. Because sometimes stuff happens where we can experience healing. On a light note, like with my hand, right? Um, It's better, it healed, but it's also not the same as it was. And there was still a lot of pain involved. So by healing, I don't mean the absence of pain, and I don't mean the restoration of what was lost. But I do mean growth. An increased ability to connect to God and connect to others. And moving from a post-traumatic stress to post-traumatic growth. I do think that can happen. And that's what I want for us. So grace plus truth plus time equals healing. We'll start with the first one. We'll start with grace. That's the fun one. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Merit is when we earn or deserve something. So unmerited means we don't earn. We don't deserve this. All right? Grace is good. You ever have a relationship where, like, you know, all right, I messed up here. You know you're in the wrong, and, like, you still feel perfectly loved and perfectly accepted right where you were? That's what grace feels like. God relates to us with grace. If we've chosen to follow him instead of trying to earn our way to God, he relates to us with grace. It's a favor we don't deserve, and it covers up every area where we miss perfection. It feels sweet. Like, that's just the right word for it. And it's really important because if we have truth but no grace, we feel really judged and condemned. You ever have a conversation where you're wrong, you know you're wrong, the other person knows you're wrong, and you leave that conversation just feeling obliterated? That's what it can feel like when there's truth, still right, without grace. But grace brings a freedom that feels really good. Uh, God talks about this in Romans chapter 6. We're told this. 
Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And that freedom feels really, really sweet. Where perfection is lacking, and that's with all of us, grace is sweet. And we need it to heal. Because as we heal and as we grow, our growth does not always come predictably. It's always not always nice and tidy how we heal from wounds. Because we're imperfect, broken people, hurt by broken, imperfect people. And so our healing process is still broken and imperfect. And so we need grace as we heal. Sometimes that's receiving it from God. And it's allowing him to heal us from ways we've been hurt by other people by turning to God instead of others for that kind of healing. Sometimes it's extending it to yourself. And it's not holding yourself to a perfect standard that you're not going to meet. And sometimes it's extending it to others, not holding them to a standard they're not going to meet either. We need grace to heal. We love grace. We also need truth. We don't always love truth. But we need it. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Truth is God's established reality. So I believe there's a God who created the universe. And when he created it, he created the moon and how the moon orbits the earth. He created gravity and how gravitational force works. He also created what's morally right and morally wrong. And he had the right to decide that because he's the one who created everything. He created how people work. He knows how our hearts work. He knows how we process things. He knows how we heal. God is the one who understands that best. And truth is how life actually works. That's established by God, not by us, not by our feelings. Um, If truth changed based on how we felt or what we thought, that would actually be taking reality and making it subject to us. And that would be making us God. And we don't make good gods. Instead, truth is how God established reality to work. So if we want to actually heal, we need not just deal with what we think or what we feel, but also what's real. So we need to deal with grace and also truth. And the truth part's not always as nice and fun. Grace brings a freedom from this pressure to be perfect and brings a freedom um, that allows us to forgive people for also not being perfect, to forgive ourselves when we miss it. We need that. But we also need truth. If truth with no grace just brings judgment and condemnation, grace with no truth brings license. It's the do whatever makes you happy, do whatever you want. And that feels good for a bit. But that brings pain to our lives and the lives of others because that's not dealing with reality. Judgment and condemnation is bad, but so is license to do whatever you want. Neither of those is a full picture. We need both. Uh, We learned a little bit more of this in that same passage in Romans 6 that just talked about how sweet grace is. The very next verse. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. We still need to deal with reality. And the reality is that our sin and our brokenness and the way we hurt ourselves and hurt others matters. And it matters to God. And that offense matters to him. And the pain we cause others matters to him too. And he expects us to change. It means even changing our habits that do that. I love the way Proverbs talks about this, partly because it makes a puke joke. But as a dog returns to its vomit... So a fool repeats his foolishness. And for some of you, maybe your New Year's resolution in 2023 is to change some names in your phones to dog's vomit so you're less likely to make that exact mistake again. 
it's funny, and it's true. Like, but really, when we fall into like the same patterns of behavior, when we know it's wrong, or we know it's going to bring pain to ourselves and others, it's like a dog going back to its vomit. It's gross. In reality, it might feel good in the moment, but it's gross. We need to deal with grace and truth. And truth says that even if things are uncomfortable or difficult, sometimes breaking a habit or changing a lifestyle is the right thing to do. Not the easiest, not always the most fun, but it's the right next step. This one's uncomfortable, and it's not fun, and I get it. Because I don't always like what God's truth says. There's a lot of times where I'll look at what God says, and I either disagree or I just don't understand. But he's a better God than I am. And so I would rather deal with truth, which is God's reality, and not whatever reality I would try and create in my head. And when we deal with truth, it will actually change how we live. Grace will change how we live and relate to others, but so does truth. What does this look like? Well, we'll talk a little bit more, but maybe it means recognizing where we have honestly contributed to our pain or someone else's and owning it. Maybe it means just because somebody is family or an old friend, what they say isn't the right advice or it's not the right way to live. And so you don't follow it, even if you love and value that person. Maybe it means creating some necessary boundaries. However you want to interpret that and process it, I would ask that you do it carefully, with grace, and over time. And that's our third component for that formula today. It's grace plus truth plus time. And by time, I don't just mean the passage of time, but I also mean actions over time. Because time is necessary for healing. Uh, Something's changed in an instant. It's January, which means a couple of things. One of which is that Planet Fitness is going to be really busy for the next couple of weeks. Uh, If you bought a membership at Planet Fitness, congratulations. When you bought that and you filled out the form, uh, you became a member, and that changed instantly. However, if you ate as many Christmas cookies as I did, um, and it was a lot, then expecting the shape of my gut to change instantly is unrealistic. That's going to require actions over the course of time. Change often requires actions over the course of time, and growth and healing are a form of change. So time is necessary for healing. And Jesus knows this. There's a parable that he taught that kind of comes to my mind. It's from Luke chapter 13. This is what it says. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. But the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Trees require time to produce. We require time to heal. It's unrealistic to think that we won't heal with time and with actions over time. Some things, sure, all right? Uh, Have you ever had, like, a fight with your significant other, and you're mad, and they're mad, and you both go to bed bed mad, and, like, you wake up like, ah, Yeah, we're cool. We're good. All it took was a little bit of time. Some wounds are like that. Some aren't. Sometimes, if we don't address and deal with the wound, just like a physical cut, it gets infected. That root of bitterness grows there, and it gets worse. Right? Sometimes it's just the passage of time, but often it's actions over the course of time, with grace and with truth, that lead to healing. What does that look like? Well... Let's just get, just get practical. All right, let's just take a few common examples and walk through this. Grace plus truth plus time. 
Um, many of our hurts come from people, right? They come from relationships we have. Did anybody have to cut their Christmas vacation short because of the people you were staying with? Or did you have people staying with you and like you couldn't, but you wanted to kick them out sooner than they planned on leaving? I had, please put your hands down, but that's hilarious. <laughs> um, that's great. Another way this can look is like you're in Kroger, whatever your grocery store is, and then like you see someone with your peripheral vision, and then like stealth mode activates, and like you duck, and like you get real tactical in avoiding them in the grocery store. Maybe a, a hurt you need to heal from, or maybe you have a phone and it's not ringing because it's 2023. Everyone should just have their phones on silent permanently at this point in time. But your phone vibrates and like you see the name and then you flinch, right? Those things happen. And those are indicators of relational wounds that we need to heal from. Here's the truth. God relates to us perfectly. People don't. God relates to us perfectly. People don't. That includes us and that includes those we interact with. So whether we're talking about relationships from our parents or people, your children, I don't know what to call it, people you're raising, your parents, your children, your peers, romantic relationships, we're going to have wounds from people. How do we heal from relationship wounds? Grace plus truth plus time. So start with grace. Start with parents. Parents are often trying the best they can. Not all of them, but most. And as our pastor Adam says, Imperfect parents will parent imperfectly. So let's just recognize that. I mean, sometimes experiencing and extending grace is giving grace to a parent who tried their best and who still failed you in some areas. I mean, you give credit where you can and you show grace. Or if you're raising kids, then maybe you need to experience it yourself. Like, you're raising imperfect children. You're imperfect to start with. You're going to miss the mark sometimes. It's unrealistic to think you're going to be perfect. Maybe you need to extend it to others, too. Maybe you need to also receive it from God. I love this, because sometimes God gives us grace through other people. Uh, a counseling term for you is reparenting. I learned that from my friend Scott. And it's when somebody comes into your life, and they're strong, where maybe a parent was weak, and they can teach you a better way to live or a new way to approach things. Sometimes God gives us grace by letting us turn to him and expecting him to be the perfect parent in a way that our biological parents can't. But we need grace in our wounds from parenting and our wounds from heartbreak. Uh, and that can hurt, whether it's a breakup, a divorce, or even a marriage you're in. It's just really disappointing, and it's not what you expected or hoped it would be. I mean, you're going to accumulate wounds there. Experiencing grace might mean turning to God and asking him to complete you in a way that nobody else can. It might mean showing grace by not expecting someone to live up to a standard that they won't achieve. It might mean not holding yourself accountable to a perfect standard that you also won't achieve. It also might mean expressing forgiveness, whether that's asked for or it's not. It might mean asking for forgiveness, whether you think they deserve it or not. But there's grace we need in relationships, whether that's romantic or professional, your colleagues. I mean, most of what I just said still applies. Every relationship we have has the potential to need a lot of grace. And truth. Because it's grace plus truth plus time. We need both, right? We need all of them. So let's talk about truth and healing from relationships. 
The truth is that we have and we will fail others and be failed by others. And sometimes that means we're going to accumulate wounds and we're going to be the ones wounding other people. That also doesn't mean that our actions are okay. Just because it's predictable does not excuse it. So let's just start at the beginning with our parents. Even if you have awesome parents, okay, you were raised by imperfect people, which means they failed you in some ways. And if you're a parent, you will fail your kids, whom you love, in some ways. Romantically, you are in a relationship or were in a relationship with someone who is imperfect. You are imperfect. And some of those wounds are your fault. And some of those wounds are their fault. And it doesn't matter that it was them specifically because anyone else would have also hurt you. It's not fun to talk about this sometimes, but it's true. That's the reality of the situation. So how do we deal with it? Well, we extend grace, but also we address the reality of the situation. And that means sometimes identifying what the wounds are and then also not excusing them. Ours or wounds from others. Just because it's reality doesn't mean it's okay. God takes our sin seriously. He takes others' sin seriously. And we're asked to do the same. To show grace, but also to take it seriously. And sometimes that means things need to change. Even with people you love and care about. And truth will often change our relationships with others. Grace makes it feel good. Truth might be what's necessary to protect you and protect others. What's true? Well, if you find yourself heartbroken, I mean, some of that was probably your fault. Maybe not always, but often. If you find yourself hurting, you've probably hurt the other person too. And then we need to make changes, dealing with the reality. Not just the idealized version of a situation, but the reality of a situation. So that means recognizing that some friends, maybe even old friends, are leading you in a bad direction. And either that's not a group of friends you need to spend time with, or it reprioritizes what that friendship looks like. Maybe it's not stopping spending time with people, but maybe it changes what you follow and what you consume on social media. Maybe you even unfollow someone on Facebook or Insta that you know you're still going to see at Thanksgiving. Maybe it means you intentionally follow and keep up with someone knowing you're going to be rubbed the wrong way, but you go into it with realistic expectations. We've got to deal with the truth of the situation. And then also we need to heal over time. I would also urge you not to go and make massive life decisions and life changes based on grace plus truth without giving at that time. Do it wisely. And evaluate this over time. Any kind of relationship wound is going to heal over time. So with parents, maybe that's acknowledging, hey, this is what was wrong. Identify it, acknowledge it, and don't excuse it. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness, and maybe that's out loud, and maybe that's just in your heart. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. That's often out loud, and there's some situations where that's still unwise, but you still need to own it. Uh, Dealing with heartbreak, man, actions over time. Um, Also, man, be careful where you get your advice on that. Like, Google sucks at this. If somebody decides, like, hey, I want to heal from heartbreak, and I want to use Google to get me there, I think they're going to go one of two directions. Either they will find themselves plotting revenge like way too creatively or sitting in front of a TV eating ice cream from a tub looking like Depresso Espresso had a poster child. Both of those are bad. Here's a couple better pieces of advice. Pursue humility. In any heartbreak situation, as you look back on it, humility will be your best friend. 
you will regret less things you said or did if in the moment you committed to doing them with humility. And then own 100% of your 10%. Uh, let's say that a relationship problem is 90% someone else's fault and 10% yours. First off, it's probably not, but let's pretend it is. Then own 100% of your 10%. Not with strings attached, not as leverage, not expecting them to change, but just between you and God, for your good, to honor him, and then to honor other people, own 100% of your 10%. And then move forward dealing with reality. And with all of this, look for progress and not perfection, because it will take time. We also need to heal, not just from our relationships, but sometimes from our lack of relationships. I think the other thing to talk through is isolation, because we need to heal from that as well. Because sometimes it's not the relationships we have that hurt us, it's the relationships we don't have and we're expecting to have, or we're wishing that we did. And this feels lonely and discouraging when you find yourself looking to talk to somebody, looking for support or encouragement, and you don't know where you can go. And you might even find yourself surrounded physically or digitally by people but there's still not a substantial relationship. And that's loneliness. The solution to that comes with grace and truth and time, and it looks like this. Build meaningful community. Because we naturally drift towards isolation, and sometimes we're put there by someone else's actions. And the solution is with grace and truth and over time to build meaningful community. Grace. And you're not alone. And God understands exactly where you are. There's this time where Jesus was praying and he asked some of his closest friends to pray for him and he goes away for an hour and he comes back and they're all just napping. Like it's like a really bad time to take a nap when God's like, hey, will you pray for me? Cool. And then they pass out and he felt alone. He knows what it's like when you feel alone too. He won't abandon you. And the truth is that we're called or even commanded to live in community. There's like 50 plus verses in the Bible that talk about one another. And we can't fully enjoy and experience the life that God wants us to live if we're not doing it with one another. So this doesn't just mean friendship, by the way. It's friendship with a purpose. Communities when you and other people are committed to following God and growing closer together. We need that. But to build it takes time. People will often say, I want to find community. But it's not something you find. We've got groups like Celebrate Recovery on Thursdays at 6.30, which is an incredible community for anyone with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's great. But that still requires your effort showing up, your initiative, and your vulnerability. And in a small group, it takes the same things. You have to show up, and you have to be willing to build that yourself for it to move from friendships to community. And that's how you get out of isolation. It doesn't make it easy, but that's how. It's with grace plus truth plus time and your relationships. We can provide you a structure to do that with, with small groups and serving teams. But it's still going to take grace plus truth plus time for that to happen. That's how anything heals. So there's a couple of next steps. We've kind of talked through some of them, even if not directly. And you need to do these. And the order sometimes changes. But the first one, often, is to identify your wounds. And where are you hurt? And if you don't know, and you can ask God, and you can ask others. And your closest friends will probably be able to tell you where you're hurt. If you don't have any you can ask, maybe that's where you're hurt. But identify your wounds. And once you know what they are, then talk to God about them. And he knows you perfectly. He cares about you deeply. And he cares about every hurt that you've accumulated. Really does. And talk to him about them. And then continue to process it with others. And Because we're called and we're invited to have meaningful relationships with other people that love God and love us. And they can help you continue to process 
what does grace and truth and time look like in your life as you move towards healing? Good news is we don't have to do any of this alone. God will be with you every step of the way. Hey, I would love to pray for us. God, it's a brand, brand new day of a brand new year. But we're not coming into it without baggage. We've all got wounds and hurts and habits and hang-ups. Would you please help? Would you help us to heal from the wounds from previous years? Where at the end of this year, we can look back and we can see, wow, God, your grace has been sufficient and it showed up. God, we healed with truth, like actually how you said to heal in reality. And over the course of time, our actions honored you and honored others. And they led to healthier, holier, more honoring to you versions of us. Over this next year, God, would you help us to heal? I don't know what that looks like, but I'm asking it for every single person in this room and who's watching this online right now or who's watching at a later date. Would you help us to heal so that at the end of this year, we are better able to connect to you and to connect to others? Thank you for doing whatever it takes to rescue us from wherever we are. We love you and we trust you. Amen.